Mark chapter 14 this morning. Let's read a couple of places. We're going to read right at the beginning, and then we're going to go toward the end of the chapter and read. And I want to show you this this morning. Two disciples, two decisions. Which one will you be? There's two disciples and there's two decisions. Which one will you be? Look at Mark 14, verse 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him, him being Jesus, to death. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. Verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. We know from reading over in John's account that this is Mary, Mary of Bethany. And the Bible says that she came and she had this, uh, this alabaster box of ointment, a spikenard, very precious, spikenard, meaning that it was a pure form. It wasn't a diluted version. It wasn't the cheap kind that you find on the cheap shelves at Walmart. But this was the expensive kind of ointment. And she brought and break the box. She broke open the seal of this sealed bottle of perfume and she poured it on Jesus that day. It was an act of worship on her part. So here's one disciple, Mary. Now let's look at the end of this rather lengthy chapter. Look at verse 66. And as Peter was beneath the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out onto the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. So here's Peter. Here's a disciple of the Lord also who makes a decision. Mary has made the decision to worship the Lord. Peter makes the decision to deny the Lord. The question this morning for each one of us, not just in this hour, but in our day-to-day life, is which one of these disciples are we going to choose to be? Two decisions were made here. Mary decided, you know what, I'm going to live for and love the Lord no matter what anybody else says or does. And you'll see that there are some that make a big to-do about Mary. But Peter decided, I'm going to live for and I'm going to watch out for Peter no matter what anybody says or does. Now, I I think it's only fair to make a couple of statements before we proceed. Number one, Peter was following the Lord. And I think you got to give some credit to Peter. At least he was in the place where Jesus was that night after being arrested. And I I don't want to act like Peter had nothing going for him. Peter was in a difficult place, but we'll see Peter chose to put himself in the place he was in. I want to say the second thing. The Holy Spirit had not yet come to indwell the disciples at this point, which would give them boldness and authority like you see in the book of Acts. And I think you've got to give some understanding, some context to what's going on. But at the same time, we see in these two disciples two situations They're making two different decisions that have a complete application to our lives 
today. The defining statements of Scripture on this matter. For Mary, it's in Mark chapter 14, verse 6. The Bible says, And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. And verse 8, Jesus said, She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. That is the scriptural definitive statement on Mary, her, this disciple and her decision. But what about Peter? You find the definitive statement on Peter in verse number 54 of this chapter. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. So here is Peter making a decision. Notice Mary's emphasis is on Christ. Peter's emphasis is on himself. He warms himself by the fire. Now, one wants to live for and love the Lord no matter what while the other one is bold in the church meeting. In other words, around the other disciples. But you see what happens. He's timid and he's hidden as a disciple when he gets around the world's crowd. Now you can already understand an application of this this morning. There's one called Mary who, it doesn't matter who she's around, whether it's at the funeral of Lazarus, whether it's that night at the supper, wherever she is, she is humbling herself and worshiping the Lord and falling at His feet, not caring who says or what anybody else does. Then you got Peter. Oh, Peter. He's bold among the brethren. But here he's timid and hiding out among the world. What a thought that is. It's our duty to ask ourselves... And beyond that, to ask the Lord this morning, what sort of disciple am I? Who am I of these two? Am I an unashamed, bold lover of God? Or am I a closet Christian who puts my faith on like I put on my Sunday suit when it's convenient and easy and no one will think me weird? We're one of those two disciples today. Each and every one of us are. And I want to say this now and I'll say it again. Sometimes we switch between the two, don't we? Because day in and day out, we are given challenges and tests and, and, uh, and we are, have things thrown at us where we're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to be like Mary or am I going to be like Peter in this chapter? So I want to draw out this morning three distinctions in these two disciples and pray that the Lord will help us to make the right choice in what kind of disciple we want to be. I want you to notice, first of all, one is worshiping the Lord and one is denying the Lord. Well, that's pretty obvious. But the question remains, which one will you be? One is worshiping the Lord, one's denying the Lord. Mark 14, 3. Here she is in the house of Simon the leper. And uh, as they said at meat, there came this woman. Mary's her name. She has this alabaster box of ointment. She breaks the box, pours it on the head of Jesus. And John even talks about how she pours some on his feet and she wipes his feet with her hair. She is physically, can I say again, physically worshiping Jesus. Somebody said, well, preacher, I came to church this morning and, man, I sat there the whole time in church. I was in worship. Maybe, maybe. I certainly can't judge your heart on that. But I'm going to tell you one thing I can judge. Mary worshiped Jesus. It was evident. It was physical. She made a move to God and she gave herself to the Lord and that's the way worship ought to be. Mary's worshiping in this place. 
to offer the Lord, to bestow upon Him the most precious, the most expensive thing that you can find. It wasn't the ointment that mattered so much. It was something far more priceless that the Lord honored in her that day. As Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. I want to ask you a question. Has your worship of God this week resembled that at all? With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might, I've loved God this week. You wouldn't doubt that Mary did. But how about your worship of the Lord? You think that this lady, Mary, who so often found at the feet of Jesus listening and learning, you think she'd ever heard him repeat that commandment and say that it was the greatest of all? She came to worship. Now what brings Mary to this decision? How did she get to this place? Why does she bring this very expensive ointment and pour it out on Jesus? Well, we only have to look at what Jesus himself said about it. In verse number 8, Jesus gives us the amazing answer as to why Mary did this. She hath done what she could, and look, she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. You say, well, that was Jesus' interpretation of what Mary did. Sure was, and it was the facts. Jesus not only knows what you do, but he knows why you do it. Mary came that day to offer something to Jesus in worship because she wanted to give it to him before his burial. Now, you've got to understand some things that are going on here. You see, here's a lady who had been at the feet of Jesus listening and learning and believing. You remember in Luke chapter number 10, she's seated at Jesus' feet while Martha's busy serving and doing all of that. You remember in John chapter number 11 when Lazarus, their brother, had died and was buried in the tomb and Jesus came four days later. In verse 32 of that chapter, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. There was no accusation in her voice. There was worship in her voice. Big difference between her and Martha. Martha said, Lord, why weren't you here? You could have stopped this. Mary said, Lord, I know you weren't here, but boy, if you had have been here, <laughs> things would have turned out different. She had a love for God that was evident in her life. After Jesus raised up Lazarus, their brother, Martha probably told Mary sometime later on what Jesus had said to her. You know, Mary, I went to Jesus and said the same thing to him. I said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. You know what he told me? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And I think this morning between Lazarus being raised and Jesus coming back to Bethany here only a few days or so before this arrest and crucifixion, Mary, the worshiper, the one who believes the words of Jesus, she comes to the dinner with this bottle of ointment which she had kept. Perhaps originally she had uh, set it aside to use at the time of his death and maybe to honor him when he was buried. But now she decides, uh, hey, he, he, he's, he's going to die, yes. Uh, but he said, I am the resurrection. And he raised my brother from the grave. Uh, and he said that he himself would rise in three days. Uh, she said, I believe I'll just present this to him now. He won't be needing it when he gets in the tomb. So I don't know about that, preacher. That's fine. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. He said, she come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. 
Can I just make one application right there? Mary didn't wait until the, until the uh, what do we call it, funeral. <laughs> Mary, I started to say graveside. I couldn't get the right word. Mary didn't wait until the funeral to give her flowers. She said, I'm going to go honor Jesus today. I'm going to honor Jesus right now. And I'm going to give him the very best thing that I've got. I'm going to honor him. Well, how do you know that's why she did it, preacher? I'll say again, number one, because that's what Jesus said. But number two... If you'll look at your Bibles later on, you'll notice Mary, (laughs) boy, this is good. Mary never shows up at the cross. You say, whoa, 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 there was a couple of Marys there. Yeah, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, was there. But Mary of Bethany wasn't there. And she never shows up at the tomb. Well, you say, preacher, what about Mary that was there? Mary... Magdalene was there. Mary of Bethany never came to the tomb. Why? (laughs) She'd already taken care of that long ago. She'd done what she could before he ever went to the cross, before he ever got the tomb. And she wasn't worried about it. She knew that he'd do what he said he'd do. And I'm going to tell you that's the way we ought to worship God in our life today. Just act like God means what He says. And He'll say what He promised He'd do. And love Him and thank Him. Not only for what He has done in your life. What He's doing in your life. But praise God for what He's going to do in your life. What a day. I can tell you how you worship God. And how you decide to be like a disciple. Like Mary is believe the words of Jesus Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And then we find the other disciple. Verse 66. We read the verses already. And you'll remember that for Peter, this began in verse 54. Following afar off. Here's a picture of a professing believer walking at a distance from Christ. Following, but not close enough to be identified as being with Jesus, ashamed, scared to be seen, whatever it may have been. And I've already tried to give some context. We're using Peter as an example this morning. But I think we all understand if I'd have been in Peter's shoes, especially in that time. Well, let's just say I might have not even been in Peter's shoes. I'd have might have been hightailed it off with the rest of them. But here he is, a picture of a believer. See, we're not in Peter's shoes today. If you know Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God does dwell inside of you. He resides in you. You have the promise of all power and all authority and all strength. Jesus said, it's all given unto me and I give it unto you. Peter didn't have that at the time. But he's a picture of a believer following afar off. Yes, I belong to Jesus, but I'm not going to get close enough that anybody would notice. You think that happens today? Sure it does. Notice the position the disciple takes. As compared to Mary who is often found kneeling at Jesus' feet, here we find Peter. According to John's account, John chapter 18, verse 17 and 18 says, Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, as Peter's coming in that night, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, And they warmed themselves, and hear this phrase, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now, 
The position that Peter's in at that moment is the position of the traitor. Say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, it says Peter stood with them. In John chapter 18, where I read that from, if you go back just a few verses in the chapter, a few verses earlier, in verse 5, when the men come to arrest Jesus in the garden, it says in John 15, 5, or 18, 5, and Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Peter had observed all that. He stood there that night in the garden when they came to arrest Jesus, and they were lined up, Jesus here and the disciples around him. And there stands Judas with all of the high priest soldiers, the officers who had come to arrest him. Judas stood with them as a traitor. And now Peter, just some passing of time later, stands by the fire with those who would oppose Christ and crucify him. Where you stand matters. Where you warm yourself matters. Where you find comfort and concealment and companionship, all of that matters in your life. This afar follower is one who neglects the Bible. This disciple who is far off is one who doesn't pray, who begins to miss church for any and every kind of reason. Convenience rather than conviction rules his or her heart. This is the disciple that Peter is in the moment. The decision he's made to deny the Lord. You say, well, preacher, I'd never deny. If anybody asks me, I'll tell them I'm a Christian. The truth of the matter is, is that they shouldn't really necessarily have to ask if they know you at all. This man, Peter, begins to find comfort and companionship with the world. He begins to conform to that image and that mindset. Let me just stay over here by their fire. It's kind of safe over here. It's not where he belongs. I tell you this, just a thought. Let let me let me let me let me caveat that. This is a Pastor Barnett just talking, but I almost think he would have been better off just to have ran off with the other disciples than to be sitting by the fire with the enemy, warming himself, getting comfortable with them. Remember, Jesus did say, "I would that you whether whether hot or cold," but this lukewarm stuff. This warming yourself over here by the fire and not really being on fire for me and not really fleeing and, 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 and just getting cold but just kind of trying to straddle the fence, it makes the Lord sick. That's what he said. Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. See, Mary believed the words of Christ. Peter was doubting. And that doubt and that separation, that distance was causing him to get comfortable with the world. Which disciple will you be? Let me give you this second thing. One one of them was worshiping. One of them was denying. But notice this. One is disturbing the crowd. One is appeasing the crowd. Which one will you be? You see, in Mark chapter 14 and verse 4, it says, After Mary did this and anointed Jesus, there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? Well, you always pick that crowd out. The crowd that's always concerned about the material stuff. They're more concerned about the bottom line of the dollars and cents and 
than they are about worshiping Jesus. I believe this. I believe if you'll focus on Jesus and worship Him, I believe He'll take care of everything else. So that's a simplistic view. It sure is. <laughs> Keep it simple, saints. I caught you off guard, didn't I? I tell you, your life is either going to be such that your love for Christ bothers, that is, convicts or annoys the world or backsliders, or your secret agent Christian style is going to allow you to fit right in and be no different than the rest of the world. But I'll tell you what will happen to you. If you're really saved and you go into secret agent Christian living and you start fitting in with the world real comfortably, you might fit in on the outside, but on the inside you're going to be a mess. And we see that in Peter's life that day. You know, Judas, the one that complained, that started to complain about Mary, you know who he was? The Bible said he was a thief from the beginning. He was a liar. He was a betrayer. And he didn't like Mary's worship at all. Matter of fact, she was getting in the way of his progress. Because what they didn't know at the time and what they found out later was Judas, the one that held the bag, the one that had all the money they used to buy milk and bread, was taking some and slipping it in his own pocket. And boy, that, that, that big chunk of money Mary spent on that ointment, if she had just given that to the cause, if they'd have took up an offering and she had just put that money in the offering instead of buying Jesus something, Judas is thinking, man, I could have took a cut of that. I could have used that. See, he was a thief. To Judas and the others, using that most expensive perfume on Jesus was a waste. But to Mary, to Mary, true worshipers never count the cost. When you bring it to the Lord to worship Him, you don't worry about what it, what it costs you. You want to give God your very best. That's what worship is all about. But that'll disturb some in the crowd. That'll bother some people. I'm telling you, it'll upset some people's apple cart. And uh, they murmured, the Bible said. They murmured against her. Who is they? It's all of those who had more interest in money and power and self than they had in loving Jesus. Some of the other disciples may have felt it. They're not named. It could have been some of the other guests at the supper that night. And they began to whisper to one another about Mary. But not everybody there was bitter about it. Some of them were real blessed because of what Mary did. I like the way John describes it over in John chapter 12 and verse 3. He said, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And listen to this. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. You know what John was saying? He was saying, You wouldn't believe what a pleasant experience it was when Mary began to worship Jesus. And she brought out that precious, good smelling stuff and poured it on him and blessed him. And boy, I got in on the blessing and I enjoyed it myself. And I tell you, that's what real worship will do. Uh, friends, real worship and genuine praise of the Lord will bring an atmosphere to the place. It's good to get around people in a place where true worship is going on. Mary's given all that she has in this. She's doing what she can to honor the Lord and to adore Him and to worship Him. But meanwhile, Mark 14, verse 54, of Peter, it says, And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Again, making himself comfortable with the fires of worldliness. Of course he's not going to stand up and speak for Christ here. Yet, 
Was this not the same one who had said in the company of the church in the same chapter, in fact, verse 29, but Peter said unto him, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me before this night's over. And Peter talks back to the Lord. You ever done that? Verse 31, Peter spake the more vehemently. I, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee any wise. But now in the midst of the worldly crowd, he has nothing to say except, not me. I don't know what you're talking about. And you know, it breaks my heart because I've been there and I've done that. Maybe not in as great a moment, maybe not in as significant an hour, which that makes it even worse. Because times when my life wasn't on the line, no one would have killed me for it. I still, in the way I acted or the way I lived, denied Jesus. I understand a little bit. You know, the thing about Peter, he reminds us of something about humility. The loud mouth in the crowd, not the preacher, I'm supposed to be loud. But the loud mouth in the crowd is usually the first one to run and hide when trouble comes. That's true in all kinds of situations in life. I, I, I thought about this again, I thought about it several times when I was studying, and it uh, comes to my mind again, so I guess maybe I'll share it. I remember when I was a boy, uh, ninth, tenth grade, I don't know, somewhere around that, and uh, man, we had this one boy that was, uh, man, he was a loud mouth, I mean, just a bully kind of guy. And he was always wanting to start something. Man, he could talk. And we were playing basketball one day. And there was others that didn't like him. And they, did, they got annoyed by him too, you know. But nobody ever said anything to him. We were playing basketball one day. And, and uh, I don't remember what happened or what I did. It would surprise you if I told you like I made some cool shot or something. Because those of you that see me play be like, nah, he's making this up. But it's my story. So. <laughs> Whatever happened though, there was another boy out there that day. He got all upset and got all up and pushed me. This is a different guy. Well, I just was feeling mighty bold that day, so I pushed him. And this other loudmouth who's always got something to say said, oh, no, 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 I'm telling the story wrong. Let me start over. It was the loudmouth. I had pushed him back. And uh, he said, well, I'll bet you won't push Leon like that. That was his response to me. And I got tired of it. I said, man, I'm sick and tired of this guy. And so I just got fed up with him. I just pushed him. You know, Andy said there's a time to stand up for yourself. And his response wasn't to actually do anything that he always talked like he would. He said, I bet you won't push Leon like that. And in waxing bold in the moment, I went over and pushed Leon too, you know. <laughs> Fortunately, Leon was in a good mood. But nobody, this whole crowd that wanted to stand up to Brad, nobody was there. Where are they all at now, you know? <laughs> that must have been how it felt some. Anyway, I don't know. That, I totally tore that story up. It's a true story. I just told it really bad. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is humility. Peter teaches us something about humility, his deceit. Him saying, Lord, I will never back down. I will never deny you if it costs me my life. But when the fight starts, everybody scatters. And Peter, the one who would never deny the Lord, is found not only denying, but
But he starts cursing and swearing and he's filled with sorrow and fear. And I'm telling you, disciple, if you mingle with the world and comfort yourself in what they offer, you might be able to fit in on the outside, but you're getting torn up on the inside. And eventually it's going to come out. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, you and I are going to have to make a decision on where we're going to stand come tomorrow. And uh, we'll have to do it again the next day. Because the offers to compromise keep coming in our life. And Mary's worshiping and Mary's choosing to be near Jesus. And Mary's not letting the crowd's opinion stop her. And that's how you become the right kind of disciple. Let me give you the third and final thing. You'll see that one is honored by Jesus. And one is convicted by Jesus. Which one will you be today? In Mark 14 and verse 6, And Jesus said, Let her alone, why trouble you her? She hath wrought a good work on me. When others began to talk about her and say she was doing it for this reason or that reason or why is she doing it, she got the great defense of the great high priest of heaven. He said, This is a work of genuine love that she's done for me. This is a work of noble sacrifice she's made on my part. This is a work of authentic faith because she believes and trusts in me. This is a work of timely service. She's got me here now. And all the excuses you make about what you could do later or should do, right now is the time to worship Christ. Let the accusers line up and offer their worst. They say, you know, you're wasting your life trying to follow the Lord. Go out and do something with yourself. And they'll say that kind of thing to you. They'll say, well, I don't know why he has to always testify and amen and wave his hands around. Why has he got to do that all the time? Could be he's just worshiping the Lord. Some folks are warming themselves by the fire. Well, it's fine if she wants to give and go so much, but why does she have to act like we all should do it? You know, Mary never said anything to anybody else. Never said anything. She didn't pour out the ointment and worship Jesus and then turn around and say, why don't the rest of y'all heathen get in on this? She never did. All she did was pour her heart out to God and people got convicted. You know what would just completely revolutionize any church, including ours? is for more of God's people to just genuinely worship Him without any motive other than giving the glory for what He's done in my life. And folks get under conviction and just decide to get right and get in on it. Amen. You say, well, preacher, you're always preaching like everybody ought to do this or do that. I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> and i tell you one far more important than the preacher that's probably talking to you. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And He wants you to get in on it. And He wants you to worship. And He wants you to enjoy the goodness of the Lord in your life. Oh, Mary understood that. But watch what happens with Peter. He's not honored. He's brought to brokenness and sorrow by the conviction that comes on him. Conviction by the world's observation. John 18, 26. He's walked in the gate there and They've questioned him already. Aren't you one of them? No. Aren't you one of them? No. And the Bible says that finally one of the kinsmen of Malchus. You remember Malchus is the one that Peter drew his sword in the garden and cut off his ear. Just take a moment. Think about it. And Jesus said, put that up. 
And Jesus healed the ear of the one who came to take him to the cross. Boy, sometimes we get so flared up over a little cross word somebody says about us. Present company included. Back to Peter. The kinsman of Malchus said, Ah, chapter 18, verse 26. One of the servants of the high priest being his kinsman whose ear Peter cut off saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? And that man didn't even know what he was saying that day. But you remember what the garden was all about? It was about Jesus on his face before the Father, swearing drops of blood in agony because of the sin of the world, including mine and yours. And Peter had the privilege of being in the garden with the Savior in his passion. And this man said, Ah, didn't I see you in the garden with him too? That song says, I come to the garden alone. (laughs) While the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear. Oh, he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I'm his own. And I think about it and I think how many times have I been in the garden with Jesus and I've been close to him and I've heard his voice and I've felt his touch and he's given me answers and given me comfort. And then, then I'm like Peter. And I was just in the garden with him and now I'm acting like I don't even know him. Oh, I'm glad I know the end of the story, aren't you? But we're not there yet. How many believers have gotten out of the will of God, been in the place they shouldn't be, doing what they shouldn't be doing, and someone will find them and say, Hey, didn't I hear you'd become a Christian? I I, I thought you were one of those church folks now. Do all Christians act like that? Does everybody at your church use that kind of language? Do all the people over at McLeansville Baptist Church lose their temper? Tell those kinds of jokes? Cheat other people, dress that provocatively, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do all those church people do like you do? You know what? That's another way of saying, did not I see thee in the garden with him? Weren't you with the Lord? What is all this? He was convicted by the world's observation. Friends, they're watching you. He was convicted by the Lord's declaration. In Luke 22, when it tells this account, verse 60 and 61, And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he spake, the cock crew. And listen, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. See, that was the problem all along. Mary believes the words of Jesus. That's why she's worshiping. That's why she's at his feet. But Peter had forgotten what Jesus had said. And it caused him to be in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. And in that moment of denial, the Lord turns and looks at him. I don't know what Jesus looked like physically and all and the expression on his face. I couldn't necessarily draw you a picture, but let me ask you a question. Don't you and I kind of know what that look looked like? Because we've been there too. When we're done wrong... We've done what we know we shouldn't do, and the Lord looks at us. <laughs> and you know what that means. 
I'm, not, I'm glad the Lord's looking at me all the time, aren't you? I'm glad He's smiling on us. I'm glad we see His love. But this is the look like when Daddy gave the look. I'm a man of many more words than my father is. My daddy didn't say a lot of words. He had the look. God has a look too. And you know you ought not run from that look, friend. Peter was in such bad shape that night. But he was convicted by the Lord's declaration. He remembered what Jesus had said. You know, it's a blessing that Peter was still close enough to even see Jesus look at him. But Know this, child of God, he sees you all the time. He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're thinking. And he knows with whom you're doing and thinking it with. And if you can do and act and look and think and carry on in sin and not sense the conviction of the Lord, something is deeply wrong. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And he was convicted by that old rooster's confirmation. Mark 14, 72, the end of the chapter. And the second time the cock crew and Peter called to mind the words that Jesus said unto him. You watch, you seen how that's developed? The lady asked him, didn't I see you there? Weren't you there? No, 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 no. The man says, hey, did not I see thee in the garden with him? The cock crows. Jesus turns and looks at Peter. And then the third time. And Peter called to mind the words that Jesus said before the cock crowed twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Even the old rooster is obediently doing what the Lord made him to do, but not Peter. Reminded by the natural world of how out of touch with God he was in that moment. Now, two disciples, two decisions... What decision are you going to make today? For all the differences between these two, they did have something in common. They had the same Savior, the same grace. Peter was restored. You know how? He confessed and he got right because a risen Savior came to him one day by the side of the lake and reminded Peter that though he had failed, he wasn't finished. And I believe the Lord wants to remind somebody here today of that very thing. I wonder this morning, are there some disciples here today who've maybe fallen behind? Maybe you're following afar off. Maybe warming yourself, finding comfort by the world's fires. Are you here today in this service as one who has drifted far from God? Well, there's hope. Because the same Savior and the same grace is still real today. Jesus asked Peter the question, Lovest thou me? And the question stands for you today, friends. Do you love the Lord? Do you want to be the disciple who worships Christ and lives in victory and is honored by the Savior? You can be that disciple today.